This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Warning to any listeners. This episode will include descriptions that some people may find distressing. Welcome to the first episode of a brand new true crime podcast. Each week, I'll be telling you a new story, often horrific, sometimes baffling, but always unbelievable. I'm your host, Bronwyn Weatherby. It's important to note here that these stories are 100% true. On today's podcast, we'll be exploring the murder of much-loved family man, Joseph McKeever, who became entangled in a ruthless drug ring. His torture and eventual death was later compared to the violent US TV crime drama, Power. This is the unbelievable tale of drugs, lies, and torture that ended in the gruesome murder of a 50-year-old father of one. It was Thursday, June 15, 2017, on some wasteland when Joseph McKeever was found dead, stuffed into the boot of an abandoned Ford Focus ST. The car had been torched, leaving Joseph's body burnt by the flames. His kneecaps had been broken, his head had sustained violent injuries, his eye sockets were broken, and his voice box had been crushed. Months earlier, a plan had been hatched to import a huge amount of cannabis, 145 kilos to be exact, from Spain to the UK. Jamie Grimes was one of the importers, and Joseph McKeever was involved in arranging the shipment. Grimes also worked as a mechanic, tuning up cars at the MGM garage in Kensington. On the 11th of June, the shipment of drugs arrived in New Haven on the southeast coast of the UK. They were hidden in a lorry, among some more unassuming cargo. But customs officers became suspicious when they stopped the lorry and the driver said he was taking the goods to Birmingham, despite not having any paperwork to prove this. The next day, customs searched the lorry. This was when they found the massive shipment of drugs. The drugs McKeever had arranged to be transported from Spain. A portion of the load, if not all, was destined for Grimes and others in his group, including Lee Knox, who was his friend. When the drugs did not turn up in Birmingham, Grimes and Knox arranged a meeting with Joseph McKeever and his business partner. This took place on the 13th of June at the Royal Oak Pub in Liverpool. They believed wrongly that the drugs had arrived smoothly in the UK, and so the next day, they set out early morning. Knox, McKeever and his business partner drove to where the shipment was destined for, a place just north of Birmingham. But they would never be able to retrieve the drugs and had to return to Liverpool empty-handed. They headed to Grimes's tuning business, where Knox, McKeever and Grimes talked about what could have happened to the shipment. 
It was clear by now that Grimes and Knox had started to suspect McKeever and believed he was involved in the disappearance of their cannabis. That afternoon, McKeever agreed to meet with Knox at the Royal Oak again. This is when, according to Grimes, Knox was told that their shipment had been seized in New Haven. But it was evident from what happened next that Grimes and Knox did not believe this story. They believed instead that Joseph McKeever had stolen the load for his own gain. Intent on getting their drugs back, McKeever was lured to the MGM garage where Grimes had used a converted shipping container he was using as an office. Grimes, Knox and McKeever, along with another man who cannot be named for legal reasons, arrived together around 6pm. They all went inside the container and this was the last time Joseph McKeever was seen alive. He wasn't caught on CCTV and his phone wasn't used again. It was almost as if he'd vanished, except he hadn't. What happened inside the metal container only emerged after his death. But we know that as soon as McKeever went inside, he was threatened. The others wanted information about the missing drugs, but of course, he couldn't give it to them. He kept telling them the truth, that the cannabis had been seized. The threats quickly turned violent, and McKeever received a brutal beating. His ribs were fractured, the bones in his face broken, and his kneecaps had been smashed with a heavy weapon. Grimes got a tool from the main garage in order to inflict some of the injuries. When forensics later examined the container, blood spatter found to be staining the interior matched McKeever's. But this evidence alone could not tell of the horrors he had faced while trapped there. Still alive, even after sustaining serious injuries in the assault, McKeever eventually gave up some information to Grimes and his friends. He told them they would find the drugs in an industrial unit in Berska, a small town north of Ormskirk in Lancashire. Joseph McKeever's business partner had a connection to the unit, and he hoped the drugs would be there. After being told this, the men were desperate to go and steal back the drugs, but were uncomfortable leaving McKeever in the container alone. Knox called his friend Carl Kelly to come and move McKeever to a flat. Although Kelly said they had originally gone to the container to supply Knox with a small amount of cannabis, this is believed to be untrue. Kelly joined in on the group's sickening escapades and helped move McKeever to a flat belonging to Darren Colcozzi, who was a tenant and friend of Kelly's. Kelly was well aware of what had gone on in the container. It was clear from McKeever's injuries, including blunt force trauma to the head, that he had been kept there unwillingly, but he still agreed to help move him. They put the bloodied and bruised McKeever into a van at around 10.30pm and drove him to the flat where he was carried upstairs and put to lie on the kitchen floor. Having placed their victim in a safe location, Grimes, Knox and another man drove hurriedly to Berska. They spent around three hours looking for the drugs while Kelly made sure McKeever did not escape. But in the end, they could not find them. In an unfortunate coincidence, police raided the unit in a completely separate investigation six weeks later, only to find 155 kilos of skunk cannabis, worth somewhere in the region of £2 million. Although it's not known when the cannabis arrived at Berska, if Grimes and his gang had found this, Joseph McKeever may still be alive today. However, Grimes headed back to where McKeever was being kept, now laid out on a mattress on the living room floor. He had nothing more to give them, but he was violently assaulted again, while one of the men in the flat sent a message to a young woman describing what was taking place. 
He said it was like an episode of the TV programme Power, a crime show depicting drug dealers in New York. The messages to the woman also detailed how blood now covered the mattress where McKeever had been attacked. His injuries consisted with stomping, and footprints were found imprinted in the blood-soaked floor. It was this attack which caused the unimaginable brain damage resulting in McKeever's death. Around the same time, he was strangled badly, causing fractures to the cartilage in his throat, although that was not the first time his neck had been injured, with bruising around his voice box said to have been caused at another time. Joseph McKeever died in that flat because of a combination of fatal attacks inflicted on him by men he had gone into business with. Grimes attempted to disguise what they had done, returning to the MGM garage where he disabled the CCTV. He spread waste oil all over the container floor to conceal the blood he had been unable to clean because of the sheer quantity of it. He then returned to the flat around 11am and poured a large plastic container of petrol all over the mattress where McKeever lay dead. Grimes then went to see a friend to ask him to burn two vehicles, the van, which had transported McKeever between the container and the flat, and McKeever's car. Over the course of the next 12 hours, the van and the car were set alight and destroyed. Grimes and Knox then chose to flee to Spain. On the same day, on the 15th of June, Kelly and Colcozzi went back to the flat around 5pm. There, they met some other men in a blue Ford Focus. They got McKeever's body and carried him down the stairs to the car, shoving him in the boot. According to Kelly's account, he was instructed to meet the men who he did not know, by Knox, but the judge said this was not credible. CCTV showed the arrival of the men outside the flat, where Kelly appeared to greet them with familiarity. The footage also shows the men as they drag McKeever's body unceremoniously down the stairs and bundle him into the boot. Kelly then went about cleaning the blood up from the flat, while the Ford Focus was taken to some wasteland in Everton and set on fire. McKeever's body was still inside. Despite his role in a heinous crime, Kelly did not leave the country like Grimes and Knox, but stuck around in Liverpool, although he tried to avoid being found by disposing of his phone. This did not work, and he was arrested the next day. Colcozzi did flee the area, dumping his phone in the process, he went to Manchester, then to Nottingham, where he was eventually arrested two weeks later. Grimes wasn't able to avoid the authorities for too long, and the police caught up with him in Benidorm, a popular seaside resort on the coast of Spain in August 2017. He was extradited back to the UK, where he pleaded guilty to the murder of Joseph McKeever. He was sentenced to a life in prison to serve a minimum of 27 years in jail. He will be eligible for parole in 2045. Unlike Knox, who at the time of recording this episode is still at large. Colcozzi, Kelly and Dylan Owen, who had destroyed the two vehicles on Grimes' request, were also charged for their role in the murder. Kelly admitted assisting an offender, but denied false imprisonment and murder. He was sentenced to 22 years for manslaughter. Colcozzi was also handed a 22-year sentence for manslaughter, despite denying the charges against him. Owen got six years. Although he was found not guilty for false imprisonment, murder or manslaughter, he was convicted of assisting an offender who had committed murder. 
The effect on Joseph McKeever's family was devastating, not only because of his gruesome death, but also because they had no idea he was even involved in the importing of drugs. What happened to Joseph McKeever was nothing short of ruthless. He had become involved in serious crime, but little did he know it was with people willing to torture him and kill him for information he didn't have. The level of violence carried out on Joseph McKeever was later described as truly sickening by Rachel Barber of the Crown Prosecution Service. The evidence, she said, had revealed McKeever had been subject to extreme torture before he died. We will never really know the true extent of the injuries suffered by Joseph, as his body was so badly burnt when he was eventually recovered. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Unbelievable. Please take a second to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, share with your friends and follow us on social media. The links will be in the description below. I'm your host, Bronwyn Weatherby. Please join me next week when we'll have another unbelievable story to tell you. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. 